back here on the Wednesday edition of The Crew. We've got Troy DiCimino, myself, Chris Sikonis, Mike Nichols, Dylan, who I will not say his last name. Um, also, special guest coming on The Crew right now. We're joined by Professor Chris Nezzi. Um, he's, he's a local professor here on for, for Rutgers University. He's also doing a lot of work in the podcasting field. He's got a very successful um, podcast called The House of EdTech. He's also got a special Yankees podcast that he will uh, talk a little bit more about. But, Nesty, how you doing? What's up, Troy? Good evening, New Brunswick and listeners around the world. <laughs> Nessie, I apologize. I skipped your class yesterday. I skipped it tonight. I think we had one, but, uh, you know, we've got, we've got a show I had to go on, um, and I'm glad we were able to get you on the show. I'm sorry. After I had to miss, the, <laughs> after I had to miss a couple of those classes. But, you know, this is, uh, I think this is good reason, and we've got a lot of sports to get to tonight. Um, right off the bat. I'm just going to say, Troy, Troy, do you think that being on the radio is an excuse to, like, is that an excused absence? Yeah, you might have to take his participation grade, uh, well, grade down a little bit for that. <laughs> oh, man. Nothing. Well, you Nessie, you're here. I so. can't believe you would confess to that, honestly. <laughs> Nessie, you're here, so it has to count. You're, I think by you coming on the show, it admits as counting as an excused absence, so... I think Wrong, I think I'm good, sir. right? Wrong. No, I guess not. I don't. I, this isn't good. He's got his own soundboard, so this is going to be dangerous tonight. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I I'll think, let it slide, I Troy. A, I'll let it slide. Good, good. This that was our last class, so I'm glad we were able to kind of move it over to on the airwaves. Um, but I know you're a Yankees fan. I know you're a Giants fan. So I, I'd love to kind of get some of your takes on some of the MLB offseason. We'll talk a little bit about the NFC shenanigans of of your first place New York Giants team. Dylan's also a Giants first fan, so he's got some place. Sounds That's good. right. Remember that. <laughs> Remember that. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it sounds good to you guys. Um, in my opinion, the NFC, the NFL is over. So you know, we'll see if we talk about it. But you know, if you want to kind of introduce, plug your own your your podcast, plug your new Yankees podcast, we'd love to kind of hear a little bit about that. Well, since this is a sports show, I will focus on the new Yankee podcast. It's called the Chase for 28, which you can find at Chase for 28, the number 28.com. And I'm doing that with a buddy of mine, AJ Bianco, who is also a New Jersey educator. And we're doing this show because we are two passionate, almost 40 year old Yankee fans. And we do a lot in the education space. We're both also working in K 12 education. I also work as a high school social studies teacher, actually right here in New Brunswick at New Brunswick High School, go Zebras. And with all that we do in education, we were just thinking, we just need to do something that's fun, low stakes, low pressure. And me and my buddy, we can talk Yankee baseball at nauseum. So we figured we're already doing education podcast. Why not do a Yankee themed podcast? And we came up with the name Chase for 28 as a name that potentially we would not get sued for. <laughs> well you you say the low pressure um you say the the fun aspect of it and to be honest watching the yankees over the past few years this season has a lot of pressure coming up on it so it's good for yankee fans to have a somewhere where they can maybe hear about their team and not feel the uh, enduring pressure of watching the pinstripe team go onto the field and coming up short over the last few years but it's on some positive notes um recently regarding the yankees you know i don't know if everyone has seen Dylan, you're you're a Yankee fan as well, correct? And uh, Chris uh, is yes. a sad Mets yes. fan, so he might not he might not bow into this conversation. But uh, Gary, yeah, says the Mets fans have Uncle Steve, though. The Mets fans yeah, have Uncle they just Steve. Got, they just got one time All Star. They just got one time All Star James McCann. Cohen's the savior. Come on, <laughs> Dylan, Cohen's Dylan, the savior. Dylan, Steve that, Cohen Dylan, having a, a owner. Deal. Oh my! Having an owner who is 
willing to let the baseball people do their jobs and willing to actually spend money in the long run, that is really valuable. Mets fans have every reason to be excited about Steve Cohen. This they is, absolutely this is do. I'm a Yankee fan, and I'm sort of excited to see what's going to happen. You know, you, you, oh, you got Steve Cohen, great. new owner of the team. I mean, look at the the look at the work that Robinson Cano has done for this organization here for 2021. How considerate he was to make more money available for Uncle Steve. Yeah, he MVP was so nice team. just to you know get traded for Jared Kalinick, who's looking like a top prospect. But I'll digress. This is the um the best part of every Mets fan season. Um, they are tied the for first season. place. We'll <laughs> Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts for you guys. But I think you have more hope this year. And uh, we talked about it on my podcast a few weeks ago with Chris. You know, we were bashing on the Mets for a little bit. And we, we eased up because you guys have some serious hope. You have a new owner coming in. There's good reason to be confident that your team is going to be not the same old Mets um, when you have a, a guy like him coming in to, to run the operation. And then, like, like Nessie said, when Robinson Cano makes the play of the year by not playing at all um, and freeing up a lot of space, that's great for you guys. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about the big boy team in New York City for a second, and we'll talk about the New York Yankees. Um, guys, I don't know if you've been seeing Gary Sanchez. I know that everyone's telling me to relax on him because this is winter ball, um, but he was the, the guy I was going to keep the closest eye on this offseason just because he was going to play in the Winter League in the Dominican League because um, he had a pretty really, I guess it's safe to say, an awful year last year. He batted sub-200. Um, but so far in the Winter League, he's looked pretty good. He's, uh, last time I checked, he was like five for 11. He had a couple home runs. He had a couple doubles, um, not too many strikeouts. He was batting like close to 500 with an OPS of above 1.5. So I know it's the, I know it's the winter league. I know it's the Dominican league, but you know, this is just shows that his talent is there. It's just a matter of whether he can be consistent with it. Um, and he's not going against schmucks in the winter league of the Dominican league. You know, he has a chance to, you know, face some real talent. So we'll just have to see if that translates. Nessie, are you a Yankee fan who is down on get rid of him? Or do you want to give him another chance? You know, I'm kind of 50, 50. I am down on Gary Sanchez because of, you know, the enormous amount of strikeouts and, you know, the lack of contact, you know, when he is on, he is on, and he is probably the best offensive catcher in baseball when he's on. The problem is, for a majority of 2019 and most of 2020, he was off. And, you know, we, we can talk Dominican baseball, but, you know, let's be honest. I would look like a Major League All-Star if I was going out and playing fall ball with 12-year-olds at this point in my life. So <laughs> what's the level of competition in the Dominican League? You know, so uh, I, I'm 50-50. Sure. If he comes back, I'm not surprised. Uh, if they were to move him, I, I would also not be surprised, but I would be curious to see what they would replace him with because you're not going to start Kyle Higashioka at catcher in 2021. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And I'll, I want to get, you know, Mike, I want to get your Dylan thoughts from an outside Yankee perspective or not Dylan, sorry, Chris. Um, but, you know, first of all, Chris, you learned this in your economics classes, or I guess this is more finance. So I take that back. But you never sell low on a guy when, they're, when their value is at an all-time low. And you're really not going to get that much back for Gary Sanchez at this point. So it seems like the best option here is to not trade him. Because what are you going to get back for him? What's the upside in the trade you're going to get for Gary Sanchez? Um, and for that reason, I don't think the Yankees are going to be moving on for him. That's why they you know, offered him that tendered, op tendered option. Um, so they're not going to move away from him this year. He's got one more chance, it seems like. 
Um, for that reason, I think he's going to have a really good season. Uh, the Yankees will give him a contract, and then he might regress a little bit just because that seems like a, you know, something that one of my teams would do. Um, but from a non-Yankee perspective, Chris and Mike, what are your thoughts on Gary Sanchez? I mean, I can't really say because I have a biased perspective on this as being a Yankees fan. But if this guy was on the Mets, what would you want to do with a guy like him who has that much upside? Would you want to move away from him or give him another shot? Uh, Chris, I don't know about you, but I he's such a defensive liability behind home plate. It's when he when he's off, you know, it's it's almost like he is not giving you anything, you know, as a hitter, and he's really hurting you as a defensive catcher. It's not like he's helping you at all. Uh, when he's behind home plate. Um, he has a lot of talent. I don't think there's any point in training him now. Like you said, his value is very low. Uh, he's got tons of talent. You, you got to see you got to see what he has what he has coming this upcoming year. And, uh, I really want to work on, you know, if I'm a Mets fan, I'm a Mets coach, I would work on his, you know, defensive technique behind home plate. You know, the thing with the, the leg out last year, uh, behind home plate, it was, it was killing me. Was killing me. I don't know what the purpose it was for, but I know it it stopped his agility moving side to side, and it did not help him with you know throwing throwing a base stealers out. So uh, I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Yeah. Well, first I I agree. I don't think trading him right now makes sense. Um, you know, he's a guy with a lot of potential. So you it's smart for the Yankees right now to hold on to him to see if maybe he can turn it around. Um, at the same time, I think that they need to look at, you know, possible alternatives if he doesn't pan out, um, you know, and, and, and you know, it's kind of disappointing as a, like a, from a neutral perspective. I don't like the Yankees, but from a neutral baseball fan perspective, it, it's kind of disappointing when someone who it was touted as a very promising catcher in baseball, you know, isn't really succeeding. Um, and, and it's kind of surprising, honestly. It's uh, it's funny to think about when John Carlos Stanton came to the Yankees a couple of years ago, like it was the three headed monster we were all talking about. It was Aaron judge, John Carlos Stanton and Gary Sanchez. And Gary Sanchez has fallen so far from grace. Now he is looked at as a liability at the plate. Um, I am personally a Yankee fan who does not want to give up on him, but I think the biggest critics of Gary Sanchez are Yankee fans. Um, oh, they absolutely for- are. They absolutely are. Troy. Dylan, are you are you one of those critics? I mean, it's good reason to be a critic. Uh, like, I, I see why there are critics of him. I have seen the highs of Gary Sanchez, and I have seen the lows of Gary Sanchez. And unfortunately, lately it has been a lot more lows than highs. So you are not going to get a positive response from me about Gary Sanchez after 11 <laughs> Dominican League at-bats. Th- there have been many games where the man has cost us the game through his defense or through striking out. And it's just too much at this point. The only the only way I feel like we would keep Gary Sanchez is if we don't have anything to replace him. Because obviously, Higashioka is not a starting catcher. He's, he, offensively, he's not good enough to be a starting catcher. So right now, it's like Gary Sanchez is what we have. And we have to try to get him back to what he was. Because we don't really have many other options as of right now. Let me just jump back in here real quick that uh, I mean, I, I could see the Yankees bringing in somebody to push him. You know, maybe, maybe you find a better backup catcher who 
you'd feel more comfortable if Gary Sanchez doesn't come out of the gate performing in 2021, you know, you, you can, you can put him on the bench, make him the DH. You can put him in a different role, but you guys are right in saying, yeah, we Yankee fans, we are very critical of the players, but you know, if Gary Sanchez comes out in the month of April next season and in April, he hits 330, has seven or eight home runs and, you know, 15 to 20 RBIs in the month of April, all is forgiven to start April, you know? <laughs> I, yeah. Something yeah, like that I would make a lot of Yankee fans happy. I think the best thing to do would be to bring, you know, a better veteran guy in to push Gary Sanchez because he's not going anywhere at, at this point in time. So best thing to do is bring someone in to push him, you know, not necessarily take his spot and hope he comes out hot in April, like you said. Has, has Who would you bring in? Checked? That was going to be my question because I don't really know, like, like the first person I thought of was someone like Brian McCann, and I think he's like 41, so I obviously wouldn't want to bring him in. But I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, a veteran, like, catcher who's just been in the league a long time. Uh, off the top of my head, is Mike Zanino a free agent? Uh, I thought I Mike Zanino? Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> hey, we need so we need someone to push him. You know who will push him? Go out and sign JT Real Muto. Yeah, I like it. I like it. That's just taking over his spot. That's not a push. Like he's he's just walking in. That's he's pushed the starting out That's the a door. replacement. Yeah, that's pushed yeah. out the door. <laughs> I I know James McCann is also. I think um, he signed with the, the Mets today. Oh no, that's not that's not a done deal, Dylan. That's not. No, it's not a done deal from everything I've said. I saw Buster, Jeff. I saw Jeff Passan tweeted. I, uh, that's like seeing Schefter tweet something. Uh, I don't know. I've seen uh, Buster only tweeted something that it's not a done deal yet. There's still uh, hurdles to go through. And then Stephen Cohen tweeted at him, "Keep me up, Buster." Whatever that means. Guys, has anyone checked in with DJ Lemayhu to see if he can catch as well? Because he plays every other position. Um, so I figured maybe maybe he can catch for us. Like he can push Gary Sanchez, and we've got too many guys on the infield already. So that would really kind of solve some issues. Two birds, one stone. See if uh, we could throw DJ behind the plate. He'd still figure out a way to be a Gold Glover somehow. Oh, I, I don't would. know how. You know but he would. He would come out, and he'd he'd literally look like he'd literally look like Pudge Rodriguez back there. I don't know how he would do it, but he would do it somehow. I'd, um, I'd be shocked if he wasn't one of the best defensive catchers in the league. I'd be shocked if the Yankees don't give him a hundred million this offseason or eighty million well, did, or something like that. Did you guys see uh Luke Voigt's message today about DJ LeMahieu? He thinks it's a done deal. He doesn't see he doesn't see DJ going anywhere else. So I guess that's our inside scoop on this one. I apologize, guys. This one did not come from TikTok. I act this is a reputable source in, in Chris Sakonis' opinion, as TikTok is not to him. Um but Luke Voigt today was pretty much saying he does not see DJ going anywhere. Um, you know, you have to think those guys are talking a lot. I mean, we've seen how badly DJ wants to stay in New York. It's just kind of finding that middle ground to see what kind of contract we can they can get settled. Um, but he is such an important piece that this Yankees team can't lose. And there is a lot of flashy guys on the market available this offseason. You know, if you look at Trevor Bauer, you look at Lindor, who's not a free agent but a possible trade uh, target. DJ is like the most important guy. The Yankees can't afford to lose a contact hitter in that lineup that is so prone to striking out so consistently. Yeah. Um, 
I want I want to ask you Yankee fans, when it, when what is the I guess sweet spot contract for you guys and when is like is 5 years 120 million too much like 100 million like what yes. is the contract you guys are looking for <laughs> and when much. would you say no? Hey, I'm just throwing numbers. 5 out years there. 100 million. Yeah, I'd probably say something around the same. I'd probably say something around the same. 5 years 100 mil. That brings him to like 37 years old. That's probably uh, if he's a contact hitter, he could arguably still be useful after then. But I don't know. That's usually the end of it for most for most hitters. Is like 36, 37. That's that yeah, but, but like you just said, the way he hits, he he can do that. It's not like he's putting up massive power numbers, and you're going to see a decline. The way he hits to all fields, that's something I'd be willing to pay for until he's 37, 38 years old. No, absolutely. Also, I, I absolutely agree with you there. You have to keep in mind how these contract structures usually work. You usually have to pay for, you know, upfront heavy for the first few good years where that you're getting that player in their prime still, you know, and you kind of suffer a little bit towards the tail end. But like you guys said, his style of hitting, I don't think he's going to tail off that much. It, he's a guy that kind of goes up to the plate and just decides where he wants to hit the ball. He's not deciding I want to hit it over you know, the right field wall, it's I want to drop it in between the second baseman and the center fielder. Um, and I think that style of play, as long as his eye stays as good as his eye is right now, I think he'll be fine. And for that reason, the Yankees would be kind of foolish to not find an agreement with him. His, his consistency, consistency at the plate is so necessary for this team. And not only do they need him, they need to find guys who are like him as well and move away from just being an eight out of nine guys are going up there and swinging for the fences every single time. And for that reason, that's why I was so, so adamant about the Yankees really needing to find a way to make some type of trade happen for Francisco Lindor, which is probably not going to happen. But I don't like how DJ is the only guy who seemingly is not swinging for the fence every single time up at bat um, for the Yankees. And they can't afford to lose him. They really cannot afford to lose him. And I think I think it's worth paying a little bit more up front if he tails off towards 37 years old. I think it's worth the contract right now. I have to. I just have to bring this up because I remember this, and it was Troy. Um, as a Yankee fan, do you remember when we signed DJ and everyone gave him the Larry Walker? It's only because he hits in course field treatment. I, I yes. love. I remember hearing that, and I absolutely love love remembering that now. I, I think it's ridiculous whenever Colorado hitters get that. It's only in course field treatment. I, I, I don't know, but I could see it for power sometimes, but like. For DJ, that doesn't really matter as much. Like, I can see why the ball kind of flies out in, in Colorado, but, like, that's not why the Yankees signed him. It wasn't for a home run hitter. It was a contact. No, 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 so no, no. It was a guy who won a batting title, and they exactly. wanted to win another batting title, which, exactly. which he did. Which he did. And was an MVP candidate this year. And, and don't forget, he hit more home runs as a Yankee than he did as a Rocky in the last two seasons. His, his power numbers have gone up away from Coors Field. And, you know, when you look at the batting average and the batting title, you know, again, if we go back to signing him till he's 38 years old, okay, so he declined. So by the time he's 38 years old, he's not hitting 364. He's hitting 320, 300. I'll take that. I'll take those numbers. I mean, if you guys, Ted Williams, he said he retired when the ball stopped looking like a beach ball. It started looking like a grapefruit. Um DJ May, he was kind of one of those guys who it just seems to have that good of an eye at the plate. The ball is just moving in slow motion for him. 
I think you're right. I mean, him on the decline, like you said, Nessie, what is that? He's batting 320. I think it's worth it. You know, it's better than most players will ever hit on their best season ever. The guy was batting above 400 for a good portion of the games this year. Like, what's his decline really going to be like? It's not going to be that bad. He's not going to be hitting sub 200 like we see with Gary Sanchez. I mean, and look at how some of the big of these contracts that teams have been given out over the last few years to guys like Manny Machado, you know, to guys like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. Like, DJ LeMahieu is an MVP caliber player who has a higher batting average than almost all of those guys. Well, this year he did have a higher batting average than all those guys. So, I mean, he's the kind of guy who deserves a big contract, and he's not even asking for that type of contract. It's only a five-year. You know, if you got to be willing. The Yankees need to be willing to understand that even if he declines a little bit, you got to be willing to pay up front now to get him in his prime for the next few years when you're still capable of winning a World Series because the pressure's on. You can't keep losing and, you know, getting knocked down in the ALCS. You need to do World Series over the next couple of years, if, if not this upcoming season. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, with him performing, it, with DJ LeMahieu, it's not a matter of if they will sign him. I, I'm a firm believer of it's just a matter of when. All right, so it hasn't happened yet, but that's just it. It hasn't happened yet. It will get done. They will work out the deal. He will be a Yankee for the next five to six years. Yeah, I have, I have to agree on that. I that's, mean, besides DJ, besides DJ, is there any other... And Mets fans, feel free to hop in on this. Mike, I'd love to get your take on this as well. Um, I'll start with you, actually, Mike. For the Mets, is there a, a, a free agent out there that you want the Mets to sign more than any other guy out on the market um, just because you think they are a perfect fit? I mean, the guy that I think is a perfect fit is George Springer. Because I think, you know, for a good baseball team, you want to be good up the middle. You want to have a good second base shortstop, good center fielder, good catcher. Uh, right now, uh, we have Brandon Nimmo in center field, who is a solid batter, but he, he cannot cover on the, on the field to play center field. We don't have you know, that guy who can hit well and play a full nine, nine innings, full 162-game season in center field. I think we signed uh, last year Jared Marisnik, who from the Astros, and he didn't work out well. So I would love to see a guy like George Springer. I think he fits – perfect with the team um i don't you know i'm a mets fan so i'm used to like setting my expectations low uh i, I i'm usually not optimistic so it's kind of weird for me to think that the mets may sign uh a guy like george springer but you know i think that'll be a good signing for them and then if they could sign you know obviously trevor Tur- bauer would be great but I'm, i don't want to ask for if we're signing george springer i'm not going to ask for another huge signing we could sign another starting pitcher that doesn't have to be a a big contract, just you know, a nice fourth or fifth starter uh, to sure up the rotation. I I feel I feel happy about that that offseason. You fine with him being an Astro? You cool with that? Oh wait, what? Are you are you fine with signing George Springer, a former Astro? Like, uh, I just I can never even look at an Astro, let alone want a guy like one of those guys on the on my team. Like, it's just it's bad. Listen, so I I, I agree with you. It, it it is bad, and I'm not gonna um try to defend any of the cheating. All I'm gonna say is he's the only player that had better numbers after the whole scandal. Um, That's true. So I'm not I'm not worried about him. From that standpoint, obviously, uh, the integrity of the game aspect, the fact that he would even cheat in such a 
the entire team, not even George Springer, just George Springer, but the fact that he would cheat for a whole season in uh, games as crucial as Game 7 of, you know, the ALCS. So uh, that aspect worries me, but from his uh, skill standpoint, no, it doesn't worry me at all. And then Nessie and Dylan, real quick, before we step aside for break, I'd love to kind of just get your your rapid fire pick for who you'd like you who you'd love to see the Yankees sign. Just because of the Yankees, they have pretty much a fair access to any player they want. It seems like. Um, so who's your who's your dream guy over free agency besides DJ? I mean, I, I think I, I think obviously like another pitcher would help. I'd say Trevor Bauer. He seems to be the main pitching target that everyone wants. Um, it would be a very Yankees thing of us to give him like a five-year massive contract and sign him. And I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to massively overpay for him and sign him. Oh, so you think we're getting him? I think we are going to we are going to overpay wow. for him and and sign him cuz I feel I, like you know, I I'd over I'd overpay for him. I'd be fine with that. That's so. the Yankee way. And he cannot go to the Mets because they are not allowed to waste him like they've been wasting Jacob DeGrom. It's not fair. That's and the, Noah Syndergaard. That's one of the best pitchers of this generation, and you're wasting him. He's got a 65 and, like, 55 career record. It's awful. He also has Nessie, two sides. Real... Yeah, yeah and losing but seasons. Nessie, <laughs> Nessie your last pick um, before, yeah, we, before we step aside. Last pick. I, I would like to see them go out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combo this. I'd like to see them go out and sign Bauer, bring in the pitching, and I would also like to see them – uh, bring back Didi Gregorius to play short, and uh, fun- yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna hit you. I hard. like it. I like and it. That's nice. Move That's Torres nice. back to second, and uh, could we put Lemayhu at third? Put Lemayhu at first, or you know, move him around. Maybe again, could he catch? I don't know. Let's Catcher. find out. But uh, Bauer and uh, maybe Gregorius, maybe Lindor make the trade. You know, people's values are high. There's a lot of things the Yankees can do. But, you know, we just have to see how it plays out. Isn't it, isn't it fun being a Yankees fan where it seems like we're in on every single guy? We have a chance of getting any guy we want. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's makes the offseason so fun. It's that Yankee privilege. It is fantastic. It is so fantastic. Nice. Every big it, free agent is it, eventually always to the New York Yankees. We're, we're always mentioned. Other. It's great. I love it. I <laughs> love see, that it. also hurts the team as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it makes it fun. The offseason is always entertaining for us, so. You know, it's, it's, it's always a good time around trade deadlines, too. So we've got some NFL news. We've got a couple teams heating up. They might be the teams to beat in the NFC and the NFC East. Um, Dylan, Nessie, uh, you guys are probably having a very good weekend and a very good week as your Giants sit at the top of the NFC East and are a playoff team. Colt McCoy started a winning football team in 2020. It gets no better. It gets no better. (laughs) Great day to be a McCoy. Fantastic day to be a McCoy. (laughs) Well, is the quarterback competition there? I'll just I'll throw that out there first. I mean, when is Uh, when is Daniel Jones expected to come back? I'm hearing that this Sunday. They're saying he's like should be able to go, but if he's not 100, percent I do not want to see him play. I know we're five and seven. I know we're playing for the division, but if he's not 100, percent he's he's the franchise QB, so he needs to be healthy in order to play. I mean, you guys have um, you guys have put together a little bit of a hot streak here. I mean, you take away the beginning of those few weeks. You what have you? How many have you won in a row now? Three, four, four, four weeks in a row. Four wow. Patrick Graham defensive performances in a row. 
So this is this is a good test this upcoming week. You're playing the Cardinals. Um, Cardinals have fallen off a, lot, a little bit, but they're still a good team. You beat the Seahawks. That's a very impressive win. I mean, even if Colt McCoy only had 105 yards and a touchdown and an interception, but your defense showed up and they played really well. Um, also in the NFC East, uh, Washington, we'll talk a little bit. We'll poke fun at Chris Sakonis, who thought the, the Steelers are really good and they just got they just got shut out. Uh, not shut out, but uh, beat up on by Washington. Um, but we'll keep it here for the NFC East. Uh, Nessie, Dylan, do you guys think uh, the Giants are the team to beat in the NFC East, first of all? Do you think they're better than, than Washington? I, I will jump on this first and say yes. Uh, the Giants hold the division in their hands. It is theirs to lose. Uh, they have the tiebreaker over Washington. So all they got to do is go and, and win their games. Just, just play who's on the field when they step on the field on Sunday. And today, this week would be a great week to beat up on the Cardinals because Kyler Murray is on my fantasy team. So I don't really care what Murray does this week because I have a first round buy in the playoffs. <laughs> Whoa, that's a that's a flex right there. That's big. That's big. Are we better than Washington? Yes. We, yes. We, we beat them twice. We're, we're better than them. Um, you know, it, it's been inspiring to see this team come back from being – in in the Trevor Lawrence race when we drafted a quarterback two years ago. Um, the, Patrick Graham and the defense has been a revelation the way they've been playing over the past few games. I think they're first in turnover differential, first in points per game the past four weeks. It's been incredible. Um, you know, as much as uh, the New York media loves to, you know, get them in this, get them in that, you know, this team is playing. Joe Judge is coaching. People are buying in. You know, this is – as much as I don't want to use the buzzwords, it is a culture change for this team. You know, they're winning. They're putting games together. They're winning games. This is something we haven't been able to do the past few years, and it, it's exciting to see for the Giants. Let, let me ask you this. Joe Judge, we talk about the culture change. Were you a Joe Judge supporter from the beginning? No. I was on a plane when he got hired, and I was screaming, why did we not get Matt Rule? For me, he was the only hire, but... You know, that's also with Belichick assistants having a long history of being horrible head coaches. Eric Mangini, Josh McDaniels, uh, Matt Patricia, who just got fired. But, I mean, some, something's clicked. Something with this hire has clicked. And it seems to me, at least for the moment, he's the right guy and the only guy who could be there right now. Dylan, I, like I can realistically see him being the Giants point. head coach for the next 10 years. I love it. I love it. Sign me up for it right now. If we're going to play like this every week and be competitive every week and never give up, sign me up for 10 years of JoJo's right now. Mike, I know you're also a New York City football fan, but for not the first place team, for uh, for the New York Jets. <laughs> um, so this is a win for you this week, though. You guys almost, you guys almost lost the Trevor Lawrence Bowl. And uh, you, you kind of got bailed out by a Derek Carr Hail Mary pass, and it worked out really well. So, I mean, were you were you ecstatic this weekend? Were you really happy with the outcome, or were you kind of upset you didn't get the first one of the season? Um, two things. One, I think the New York Jets should be a reality show. Um, <laughs> I think they would get great ratings. Uh, if only you can go into a locker room and see, see what it's like for the players and the coaches. But two um, – just watching that game, I was going through so many emotions at once. 
uh, because, you know, I wanted Trevor Lawrence, but of course I want the Jets to win. How could I root for them to lose, right? So after, like, you know, when it was Then all you're a bad done, Jets fan. <laughs> how, could, how could you want them to win and risk screwing up I'm, another potential franchise quarterback? Listen, if I'm watching the Jets on Sunday, I cannot root against them to lose. You know, my thing is, I can root for them to be competitive. I don't necessarily want them to win, but I'm not rooting for them to lose. Yeah, it's it's so hard for me. Listen, I've been a Jets fan for 24 years. They've been successful for maybe six or seven of those years, so uh, it, it it's so tough. But I realized that once you know the game was over and my anxiety attack was over from the ending, uh, I realized if anything good happens in a dramatic fashion for the Jets, I I won't be able to handle it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, yeah, that's uh, not, not another week for the Jets, baby. Mike, I, Mike I let me ask really you this. Res- if they, sorry, Troy, Mike, if they win this Sunday, yes, and then that win causes them to not have the first pick in the draft, will you be yes. happy they won? Listen, uh, so my, my thing is no matter what happens to the Jets, they're going to be cursed anyway. So if Trevor Lawrence goes there, probably going to be terrible because he's on the New York Jets. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Look, get it, I, get it I, I don't think we that's so much a Jet thing. Tackle. Let's be honest. That's not a Jet thing. That That's a, no, you're right. you got NFL you're teams right. now that are expecting top draft picks to come in. Whereas if you go back before you all were born, you know, a first round drafted quarterback came in didn't play the first year, took a lot of notes, carried a lot of water bottles, and then maybe got a little sniff in year two. And then by year three, if you got a franchise quarterback, that's when they stepped in. Now you got franchises like the Jets and other clubs around the league. They're expecting guys to be drafted one and step in in, in year one and take them to the promised land. And that's just not a success, a formula for success. I completely agree with you. Uh, I feel bad for Sam Donald. I think he has the tools. I don't think he has the tools. I'll be honest. I, I, I don't think he has any help. I think he has some tools. Uh, I would like to see him with a good team. That's not the Jets. Uh, well, I that's what's going to happen. <laughs> that's what's yeah, going to happen. He's going to, he, he's going to, this is his tryout for wherever he goes next. And then he'll play football. If this is a tryout. He's not, uh, he's not impressing the scouts if he's trying out anywhere. I mean, He's he's gonna win Belichick another five rings. Let's just be honest, guys. Um, he's gonna make make Could it so imagine? the Jets aren't competitive for the division. Listen, for the what, next whenever it happens, years. if the Jets trade Sam Darnold and draft Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bad quarterback, and Sam Darnold is going to be a great quarterback. <laughs> if the Jets end up keeping Sam Darnold and Trevor Lawrence goes somewhere, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the next uh, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Sam Darnold is going to be the next um, Ryan Leaf. Uh, they, no, I'm not Ryan Leaf. I'd go David Carr, maybe. David yeah, Carr but... David Carr had literally nothing, though. He was the first pick of the expansion Texans. He got sacked 65 times that first season. It's Don't an NFL say he record. had nothing. He had Andre Johnson. Not in 2002. All right. Well, that's 2002. Not his, not his entire career. Come on. <laughs> Mike, you are arguably the most refreshing Jets fan for the fact that you were just openly admitting the fact that it does not matter what happens. It's the jets and uh, Trevor Lawrence is not the saving grace. Um, 
because I, I I do kind of agree with you. You're not going to just be able to plug them in and be like, all right, we're competitive. It's it's time to win. It's time to win some games. Uh, I don't care who you add. If your team goes 0 and 16, you are not one quarterback away from being competitive. Uh, you are a lot of things away, including a coach. And that coaching situation in New York is atrocious. And um, I'm not so convinced it's going to change. I'm really not. The fact that they're firing a, def- a defensive coordinator midseason, but they refuse to fire their head coach midseason, I just, I'm not, I'm not, bu- I'm just not buying the fact that he's as good as gone come season end. But Troy, that would ruin the tank. Why would they fire him now? Troy. That ruins the tank. Don't you Troy, know, don't I... you know a perfectly built tank when you see it? Then why'd they fire the why'd they fire the defensive down coordinator? Because you, you why why you why'd they fire the guy that makes that play call on the last play of the game? Like he's the guy you, that you want to have tanking have your a, team. You cannot well, have a job in the NFL thing? after that. You can't. It's not. I don't make the rules, but you can't have a job in the league after that. You, it's too. What is it? Too obvious of a tank. Fire Adam Gase. What's that, Mike? What's What's going to be the difference if they fire Adam Gase? Give, they, give the fan base a little hope. They give might them be the motivated of to getting to send out. They Gase might be off. motivated to play and accidentally win a game. That's why they're not firing Adam Gase. Oh, uh, that's a good point. If they want to give the fan base hope, they need to sell the team. Yep. Yep. Just, does Steve? Can Steve Cohen get a two for one deal? Can he get both of the Ets teams? I'm sure you could can afford he it. <laughs> can he get? Can he get both? Because I'm sure. I mean, all, most Mets fans are Jets fans, it seems. So like. He already he already got that fan base to like him. Maybe he can get the Jets too and figure out what's going on over there. But I'm not so convinced Adam Gase is gone. He's good as gone. I think he's most likely gone. But a lot of things have happened this season that have made me not feel like it's it's a guarantee um, to happen. And I strongly believe, and Mike, this is something we agreed upon last week, that if Adam Gase is the football coach for Trevor Lawrence in his first season in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence's career is done before it even starts. Oh, Troy, I is said it... last week that if Adam Gase is the coach of the Jets next year, I think I'm jumping ship. I'm going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, nice. I, listen, I said it to Chris Aconis over the summer on the crew. Being a Jets fan is worse than being a quadriplegic. Like, hands down. It, I'm, I'm telling you, it is it is pure torture, Troy. Um the Jets, they're not going to be successful no matter what. Because you, if you put Trevor Lawrence behind this line, behind this line of scrimmage, uh, he's going to get sacked so many times, and he's going to be seeing ghosts just like Sam Darnold. Oh, my God. Someone save me. Mike, I don't know I, what to do. I'm sorry, that, I'm sorry that the Jets cause you this much pain. I really am. If it makes, if it makes you feel too. better, I'm not, I'm not doing too well myself with the Cowboys, but... Um, you know, it's I, I I'd say I feel your pain, but at least I can't say my pain is as prolonged as yours and as intense as yours. Um, Troy, Troy, why are you named Troy? It, it, Troy Aikman. <laughs> All right, well, is is Troy Dasapano? Would my father name me Joe? Because Joe Namath is the only good player, the in most overrated Jets quarterback history? in the history of the NFL. I, there were some good options. I was almost Emmett. Oh, I Emmett was, was Michael. Cool name. I mean, I mean, it would have been Michael, a cool name. I agree. Michael, you know. Troy's, Aikman's really not even my people. favorite quarterback for the Cowboys. I, 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 I gotta, I'm not trying to be a I got to say, Troy, I don't want to uh, – actually, I do want to rub it in your face a little bit. It was really cathartic as a Giants fan to see the Cowboys get kicked off of Sunday Night Football for the Giants this week. It was amazing. Yeah, it's tough. I and mean, what are you, you going to do, Wait. right? I mean – Giants-Browns. Wait, Browns. hold on, Mike. So I got to ask. 
So, so Troy, if your name, are, are you named after Troy Aikman? That was the inspiration for my name. Yes. All right. So, so Mike, are you named after Mike DeVito or Mike Gastineau? <laughs> that's a good, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I'm named after uh, my father's brother, but I sh- should, should be Gastineau, I, I guess. Or someone, what, what if I was named like, uh, like Wesley after Wesley Walker? That, that'd be a good one. I don't think I Chris what, what is here. Chris to de- I, I don't think he's here to defend himself, but I'd say Chris was named after like a uh, a silent movie film star. Chris Sims, 1920s. of course. <laughs> Chris Sims. Chris Sims, come on. I, it's uh, but congratulations, Giants fans! You guys are finally getting the flex your team deserves over the Cowboys. My team's not in prime time just because they're named the Cowboys and they don't have a a good enough team to be eight and eight and, and earn that spot. But uh, it's been that kind of season for uh, for myself as well as for for Mike. Um, so congratulations, you so guys like, are don't in first even, place. Don't even compare it. Don't even compare it, please. <laughs> At least like, you. Like, I mean, it, it hurts. Yeah, yeah. I. It's not the same vote. It's. I mean, it's, we're. It's. They're both disappointing. The right? same Diff- boat. They ju- they just don't even have a boat. We're we're ten feet under. You're swimming. Oh, you're not even on top of the water. You're you're under you're under the water. Troy, it, I'm dead. I'm past <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Sorry. I, I, I guess it's really it's not looking good for Jet fans. <laughs> no, no. It's arguably not. the worst situ- I, situation I mean, in all of professional sports for any fan. It's sad because this, I would say the second worst situation is probably being a Knicks fan, and they're yep. like 20 minutes away from each other. Yeah, it's rough. Oh, boy. <laughs> New York. It, it makes no sense. Why is New York so bad at sports sometimes? If they didn't have the Yankees, New York would be an awful sports city. For the most part, over the last twenty-five years, for sure. Yes, awful, awful. And I mean, even the Yankees. I mean, thank God they had that. You know, they had a few good seasons in the late '90s, early 2000s. I mean, even in the last two decades, they've only really had. I guess they've only had the one World Series. If you if you take away that that prime Yankees team in the late '90s, um, so New York New York has been hurting, and uh, you know, congratulations again. Giants fans, you guys are in first place. How long has it been since you guys have been in first place in the division, like after week five? Because I know it's been a rough few years for you guys. I don't know if at any point in my college life the New York Giants have been first in the NFC East, so I'll take it. They've been the it's, worst team of football the past two or three years. So it's it's all been since that Odell Beckham Jr. picture on the boat, right? Like that's when it all started going downhill. Everyone loves talking about the boat picture. Everyone <laughs> loves the boat picture. But it's a photo that will live in infamy in in the world of the NFL. Just hey, after, it was like an inflection point. Everything went south the moment that photo was taken. It was destiny. No, everything went south when Odell dropped like six passes in Green Bay two days later. That's when everything it went was, south. It was, the boat. it was the boat that did it. You should have been working. Yes, it hands. was all the boat. If Why he never you got on the Timberlands boat? on a boat? That's what I don't get. Why are you wearing Timberlands on a boat? And the photo was taken in like August, right? It wasn't even like, it wasn't like they were ice no, fishing. It was, no, because it was it was the week before a game, so it was uh. They were, what, with, it was, they were with Bieber. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's how. But it was early in the season, though. Is my point? Oh, was like, it? it wasn't cold out. I no, think it was. No, no, they I, were down in Miami or something. That came out. The, yeah, they were in Miami. That came out. It before was the wild week. card game. That came out before the wild card game against Green Bay that year. That was. Oh, but, the, but my point is okay. But my point is, they were in the they were in a warm location, wearing Timberland boots on a boat. 
without shirts. Just in no universe does shirtless that make sense. in Timberlands. They also were shirtless like no, they had two thousand. They were also two thousand miles across the country <laughs> during the week of a playoff game, which is yeah. bad in itself. That's yeah, but it's a lot more fun to make fun of them for the boots. Like, but but I think Mike brings up a good point. They coordinated this. Like they thought like, about they, they thought to. this through. They said, "All right, Odell, you're gonna stand here. You're gonna sit here." And we're going to put on boots in Miami on a boat, and it's going to be great. And then we're going to win a football game in the National Football League. I mean, it could be worse. Well, Chris, think, think Chris, about- this, Chris, this is how it went. Odell called Victor Cruz, and he's like, all right, guys, I, I want to take a picture on a boat. That's where it Don't wins. disparage Victor Cruz, Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz was like, I think we should all wear skinny jeans, too. <laughs> they all brought that onto the boat. That's crazy. They called each other. You're right. They I- called each other and planned this out. I mean, it could like, have been. Guys, it, it's a lifestyle we will never now. understand. <laughs> never. See, it could never be. Understand. It could it be is. worse though. You you're could right go up to. That. You could go up to Odell and be like, "Hey, Odell, you're going to be the highest paid receiver in NFL history," and then get traded two weeks later. So to Cleveland, to the, Ohio, to the Cleveland Browns. The, sec- yeah, the, the Cleveland second, the second, the second boat picture, arguably. Another. Well, cannot. guys, let me ask you this, Giants fans: Did you ever imagine that your team, your team would recover? It would take a few years. You'd be sitting at first place, first place of your division come 2020. And we are entering, what, week 13 coming up? But you're at five and seven. Does that sound like that would ever actually happen? Five and seven, first place of your division, and this is like your comeback season? I didn't imagine this at all. I, 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 we were one and seven four weeks ago. I thought we'd be two and ten right now. I mean, this is probably the first time in NFL history we've seen a team be in the mix for the first overall pick halfway through the season and then go from that to leading the division in four weeks. Like, there's no way that's happened before in NFL history. We were in the Trevor Lawrence race. Another team. We were in the Trevor Lawrence race four weeks ago, and now we're in the home playoff game race. I mean, you don't exciting. need Trevor Lawrence when you have Colt McCoy. Like, or Daniel Jones. With a, uh, a first-round home field advantage, keep in mind, if you guys win the division. So, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. I mean, if you're if you're talking about a team that's dangerous as the underdog with, with lackluster seasons, it's the Giants, though. Like, that is the team that knows how to get hot at the right time and win a Super Bowl against a much better team. There's no debating that. So, is this the perfect – do the Giants know exactly what they're doing? Is this exactly how they want to play it? They don't want to be that good in the regular season. They just want to get hot at the right time make a run through the playoffs and upset the much better team and take home a Super Bowl. I mean, I I will recall a text that I got from my dad four weeks ago that I think I shared with you, Chris. And my dad said what did you get? I got a text from my dad before okay. week nine, I guess it would be. I don't remember who we were playing when we were one and seven. And he said Right. And I quote, the nine and seven run Super Bowl run begins right now. And obviously you, wow. take, obviously you take that as a joke, but, I mean, we won four in a row. I mean, the way we're playing, like, I don't think anyone is a lock to beat us right now. Like, we could – I'm not saying that we will. We, we have – Well, well. I mean – There's there's a few teams I could think of I mean, would be a pretty much lock. I meant, beat. like, on our schedule. I oh, think. oh, okay. Yes, yes. I was going to no. say. Well, that's the virtues of playing in the NFC East. Well, they, they yeah, only got. We schedule. only have one we, division game left. Only one NFC. Oh, you yeah. only have one? Okay. Yeah. Against my Dallas Who's Cowboys. Who's left on baby. the Giants' schedule? Cleveland, Arizona, 
Um, Two tough Baltimore. games. Baltimore. Baltimore. Three tough games. And not, the Cowboys. I'm, I'm not counting the Giants out at all. I'm Four tough saying. games. They're you got to play the Cowboys, too. No, the Cowboys are a tough game. Divisional <laughs> games are always tough, no matter what the teams look like. They always play each other so close, you know. That's why you see, like, the Bengals will play the Pittsburgh close every year, even though, like, they're not better than them ever. It's it's definitely a tough stretch, but, you know, you have that tiebreaker against Washington. To be honest, I've been really impressed with how Washington is playing this year. I mean, Alex Smith is a hands-down comeback player of the year. There's no question about that. Um, and the fact that he's, like, winning football games. And let's talk about this. Now that Chris is back, we got, like, two minutes to roast him on this one. Chris thought the Steelers were a good football team. I think they were the most overrated football team of all time, the NFL. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all um, right. But Chris, they're 11 Chris and thought one. they were great. Come on. I, I, I said, no. Here is, the, here is the statement in question. I said, we were talking about if the Steelers went 16-0, would they be the best NFL team in that scenario? And I said, if an NFL team wins all 16 of the games on their schedule – they they are it would be very hard to convince me that they weren't the best team in the NFL. Now they lost to Washington. I still maintain that they are, I would say, a top four team at worst in the NFL. I don't care how easy your schedule is. To win eleven out of your first twelve games is immensely difficult in this league. And I don't think you guys are giving the Steelers enough credit. I think we're giving them too much credit. I wouldn't take them against KC if my entire life depended on it. Oh, absolutely not. I wouldn't. Not. They could go sixteen and zero, and I still wouldn't take them against KC. Uh, yeah, in the if playoffs. they went sixteen and zero, I, I no, would be a little I, more I still bullish. wouldn't. I wouldn't. I could. I could make it. You can make it. I could look. I, I see the argument that it's a better matchup. Um, like I think the the way the Chiefs line up matches up well against the Steelers. Um, but I, I I think if they had gone sixteen and zero, which is a moot point because they didn't. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a, a fair argument to make. Chris, if the Giants, if the Steelers are undefeated going to the Super Bowl and the Giants came out of the NFC um, and we're going to the Super Bowl, I'm taking the Giants every single day of the week over the Steelers. Uh, Troy, when, when would a Giants team that went 9-7 and seven ever beat an undefeated team in the Super Bowl? When would that I ever know, happen right? in It'd a million unheard years? When would, be they, unheard of. when would they ever beat the greatest <laughs> offense in NFL history? Right? Listen, a greatest this, coach, greatest quarterback, you know. The quarterback broke the passing touchdowns record that year, and Randy Moss broke the wide receiver touchdowns record that year, too. Yeah. What was what was more impressive of a win? And I want to get the Giants fans on this one, and I want to get the non-Giants fans on this one. What was a more impressive win? Was it the Giants beating the Seahawks or Washington beating the Steelers? Because I think the Seahawks and the Steelers are comparable teams. I think the Steelers are way overrated, so I think it's a pretty close matchup for both, but what do you guys think on that, Nessie? I'd, look, I'd like to get your thoughts, first of all. I'm going to have to go the Giants win because they went into Seattle with a backup quarterback. And they won. Yep. So I think that's more impressive. Dylan? Yeah, Colt McCoy had not won an NFL game since 2014 when I was a freshman in high school. So even though he threw, like, 15 balls into the dirt, like – I don't know why he was doing that, but he seemed to throw everything short in the dirt. Um, I think that's more of an impressive win just because we were down the most important position in sports. Mike? Um, I'm going to have to differ with you guys. I'm going to say the Washington football team. Uh, Antonio Gibson was hurt on the second play of the game. Alex Smith coming back from the injury last year. 
to beat the 16-0. I'm sorry, the 16-0. They were 11-0 Steelers at the time. Um, I'm just going to say that's more impressive strictly because of the record and everything that the Washington football team has gone through this year. Chris, let me guess. Do you think the Steelers are really good? Do you think Washington had a bigger bigger upset? No, I actually disagree uh, for this reason. I think that the Giants win is more impressive because the Giants are down their starting quarterback and their starting running back, and yet they were still able to beat a very good Seattle team on the road. So I'm going to go with the Giants here. I, th- I think you have to take Washington. I really do. Um, like Chris said, you know, the Steelers are a pretty good team, right? Uh, they were uh, 11-0 going into that game, and Washington somehow able to find a way. I'm really impressed with their defense. So I think I think New York's going to win the division, but I think this is actually a good season for Washington. I think every other team, I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are having bad seasons. I think the Giants are having a good season now. It didn't look like it was going to be that way. I think Washington is the one team that is playing well above what was expected of them this year. Um, the fact that they have five wins and they're only five and seven, I think it's pretty impressive. But, you know, I, I will have to see what who comes out of the NFC East. And, uh, you know, the winner of the Super Bowl could be in the NFC East. The Giants could repeat history. We'll have to we'll have to see. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants are in the Super Bowl. I'm putting all my money on them. I'll just say that. If they somehow find a way to get there. Well, uh, Troy, you know I am too, so. I, 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 history has shown that, that that is exactly where the Giants like to be. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up there. But, again, I w- I'd like to thank, uh, you know, Professor Chris Nessie for coming on the show tonight, you know, giving us a little of his, his insight uh, as an MLB insider as well as a Rutgers professor, um, and then getting some of his thoughts on the uh, NFC East situation. Again, the Wednesday crew, this was Troy DiCivino, Chris Taconis, uh, Mike Nichols, Dylan with no last name. Again, this was the WRSU crew. You're listening to WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Waking up in a dream, sleepwalking on another big stage. You never heard peace till you hear people scream your name. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Tune in to Glorna Heron, the Voice of Ireland program, on Sundays from 5 to 7 p.m. Your hosts, Michael Callahan, Jack McCullough, Tommy Burns, and Joe O'Sullivan, Play the best in Irish music and share news from Ireland and the Irish-American community in New Jersey. Broadcasting from the campus of Rutgers University every Sunday at 5 on WRSU 88.7 FM.